morning. And for those of you who are coming back to visit us from, from uh, days gone by, thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, really nice to see you again. Next week, we're going to start deconverting again our study on big doubts and questions, the huge stuff. But today, um, you can follow along on intoone.ca. We have a section called Latest Message Notes. You can go there. You can use the screens. They'll help you. And also the, uh, the handout, you can follow along with that. So today, uh, we are appreciating the past. We celebrate the eight years, and we're looking for momentum to come from that past, but we're really going to be more focused on the future because of the past, the future. So the future, uh, when you think of the future, do you anticipate it or do you uh, kind of dread it? Uh, I find that many people, maybe even most people, tend to dread the future. They look forward to things going wrong. They anticipate things getting worse. And um, when it was popular, I really used to be a big fan of the X-Files. And when they made movies, they, uh, one of the movies that they had, they titled it, Fight the Future, Dread, Worry, Concern, Be Afraid. And now here's what's true in my head, and this is something that I have to deal with, but maybe it's true for you as well. Maybe you have to think the same way. When I look back on my life, I can see multiple, many places where I know I know that God has intervened. I, I see his presence. I sense his participation all over the place. And I know that I am who I am and I am where I am because of the grace and intervention of my heavenly father. My past interactions with God have helped to develop and grow my faith and trust in him. However, but it still takes effort to look into and imagine a future with God's intervention. I seem to be pre-wired with the second law of thermodynamics on my heads-up display of life. That's the law that describes our physical world as being in a perpetual state of all things tend to disorder. And I regularly seem to see the unraveling of it all in my mind's eye. And when I imagine my future, unfortunately, I frequently do it with a fight the future kind of mentality. I imagine that whatever is just gets worse. Uh, can you identify with that? Does anyone else have a view that sometimes goes like that in the future? Fear the future. Uh, dread what's coming. Like some of the events, but feel like it's still going to go bad. And I know that we all have fears. I know that we all have worries. And increasingly, we, we hear about people who are suffering with paralyzing bouts of uh, anxiety attacks. And, and I have had a couple myself, and I can tell you, I did not appreciate being in them. And I've learned this about anxiety attacks. If I talk about anxiety attacks long enough, you might just have one. So we don't want to linger there. Uh, what I want to say is that uh, while it is impossible to be fearless, it is possible to fear less. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's really impossible to become fearless in this life. And, and you know this. You know why this is, right? Because fear is actually a good thing, right? We, we really don't want to live a life without fear. Fear has, in the past, kept you out of trouble. Fear has kept you away from things that you should keep yourself away from. And we, we've seen the absence of fear in some other people and that enables them to do or to try to do many things that they are going to want to later try to cover up. And here's another reason why fear is a good thing. Here's the reason um, why it is never ever going to fully go away. Because fear is actually a byproduct of something. 
right? Fear is the byproduct of our ability to project into the future and to remember the past. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given you, uh, or if you're, a, you're not a God person, one of the greatest natural selections that was selected is our ability to recall the past. Some of us can remember way back. Some of us can remember way, way back. And, and because we have that ability to remember what happened in the past, we also have the ability to project into the future. The ability to remember what happened the last two Christmases allows us to project and to anticipate the future, to predict forward to the next Christmas. It is our ability to remember the last two Christmases that enables us to dread the next Christmas also. So it's our ability as human beings that enables us to remember what happened in the past and project into the future. And that is a, a, a wonderful thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a gift that we've been given. And that's why, as a, as a species, the human race can make progress. That's why you are able to plan. That's why you are able to hope. The reason you have hope is because you have memories. You have memories from your life. You've heard stories about what other people have done. And when you think about your future, you are able to have hope. It's why you're able to dream. It's why you are able to anticipate, to be excited that something's going to come. Imagine life without the ability to have hope or to dream or to anticipate. The problem is that our ability to do all of those things is what enables us to fear. And none of us, I, I can't think of anyone, no matter how fearful we are, would want to trade our ability to have all that other good stuff and trade it for a fearless existence. It wouldn't really be life. It would be just an existence. As we say at other times, it would not be, it would be surviving. It would not be thriving. And there would be none of the, 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 the fullness of life. And that's why I say we will never be fearless but we can, as we're going to see, fear less. The other thing that fear is connected to is the God-given ability to imagine. The God-given blessing of imagination. They are tied together. What is fear? Fear is when I begin to imagine what might happen. We begin to imagine how bad it's going to be. I start to imagine three or four more years of the same thing that it's just been for the last number of years. I begin to imagine I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I, I, I worry about what might be there, and this powerful, wonderful thing called imagination takes us to new heights of anticipation for good and also for bad. What if I don't get a job? What if he's not the one for me? What if she doesn't call me back? What if he doesn't show up? What if that leader continues the way they're going currently? What if she arrives at work today? What if I'm actually pregnant? What if the Leafs lose in the first round of the playoffs again? <laughs> your ability to fear is tied to your ability to imagine. So that means, I guess, you know what? Hey, we're just, we're just all stuck, right? 
Fear is just a part of life. And somehow, it's also tied to some of the greatest things in our lives. So here's the question I want you to think about. If we can't be fearless, what is the way to fear less? Now, if you're a Christian, like I'm a Christian, you look to God for leadership. Um, You trust that the New Testament documents actually really tell us what Jesus said. And so if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus is the one we turn to for almost everything, we say, Jesus, what do you say about fear? And Jesus talks a whole lot about fear. Um, And even if you're not a Christian, it's really easy, uh, really interesting to read what Jesus had to say about fear. And let me just give you the spoiler alert right up front. On the surface, Jesus does not give the answer that we would most like to hear. So Jesus, what do you have to say about fear? And he summed it up in two words. Fear not. How is that even helpful? We already fear, like I've already failed, right? And he goes, okay, okay, I'll help you out. I'll use three words. Do not be afraid. Do not. Don't. Don't be afraid. That's three. That's it. There's the direction. And Jesus takes, talks a lot about fear, and apparently he, def- he definitely believed that in this life we are going to fear. There will be things that cause us problem. The fear is not going to go away. You're not going to have a fearless life, but clearly, based on what he taught, based on how, or what he taught to those who are closest to him, there is a way for us to fear less. So one time uh, Jesus is teaching, and, and maybe you've heard this before, um, you can follow along here. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And you go, what do you mean? Only kill the body? That's like, that's like the whole thing. That's the whole part of me. That's all you're going to say? No one says, hey, lucky me. They only killed my body. Look at me. I'm fine. It's like the black knight from Monty Python. It says, it's just a flesh wound, right? I've had worse. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that still sounds, frankly, like there's a lot of fear in there, right? What I want you to say, Jesus, let me just help you out here. Don't worry. That's what I want you to say. I want you to say, don't be afraid. I'll make sure that things um, work out for you. I'll make sure that nothing bad happens to you. And you just twice, though, said the bad things are going to be going to happen and then I shouldn't be afraid. And that's still sounding like a fair amount of disconcerting talk in there. Now, what you need to know is that there um, are people who actually get to this place. You might have even met some of those people where they have gotten to the place where fear is not dominant in their life. But he's not done. He goes on here. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And they're all going, yes. And we're all going, I don't know, sparrows? Uh, Yet one of them, not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. That's a a good amount of detail right there. God cares that much? Really? Your your heavenly father has the final say. Your heavenly father has the final say. And you already know this. You already know that some bad things are going to happen to good people, right? You've already seen that. Bad things are going to happen to some really good people, but don't be afraid. And even... The, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So 
let's get this clear. There's, there's no sugarcoating on the top of this. You're going to make it clear, Jesus, that bad things are going to happen. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be grief. There's going to be death. There's going to be all kinds of things that are going to happen. Yet somehow, there's a way for us to not fear that. You're not promising to keep bad things from happening, which is what I want. So what's the point? Now, when Jesus taught, he was all about illustrations, and he loves teaching with illustrations. So on a couple of occasions, he takes his boys, his disciples, and he takes them on some field trips. And so they do a visual aid boat trip. There's a couple of famous stories in the New Testament that have these in there. So we're just going to jump into the next one. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up. So the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, if you're a Christian, this is probably one of your greatest fears right there, isn't it? Some of you feel like that's a, that's a summary verse of your whole life, right? I'm in trouble. Jesus is sleeping. I'm in trouble. God is just out cold with a pillow over his head, right? There's a storm. There's a, there's a physical storm. There's, there's a health storm. There's a, a job storm or a, a relational storm, a financial storm. There's a, a storm and I'm praying and I'm praying like mad. And Jesus is sleeping. And when you feel that way, the good news is You're not the first person to experience that. You're not the first person to come through that. The people that Jesus knew the most and spent the most time with and had the best relationship with, they experienced the exact same thing. And not theoretically, right? It's not like he was going, oh, come on, Jesus, I've been praying for a girlfriend. I've been praying for a girlfriend. No girlfriend. It's not like that. They are six feet away right? And they are on the edge of drowning. And Jesus is actually sleeping. Which means when you begin to feel like there's a sense of distance between you and God, you say, where's God? What's God up to in the middle of this, right? Jesus left us this story to say, it's okay. You're, You're not alone. It's not as bad as you think. You're not the first to feel this. You're not the first to fear this. You're not the first to experience this. So the disciples woke him up and they're saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Why? Well, let me explain it to you why we are so afraid, okay? So God, your Father, our Heavenly Father, He gave us the ability to remember and to project, right? And we had some friends who got caught in a storm and they drowned. We know what happened to us in the past. We know what has happened to other people in the past. How can we not project the past on the future? There is no way for us not to do that. That my recently awoken friend, is why we are afraid. This is our experience. And then he got up. And he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. 
And the men were amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this? <coughs> Even the winds and the waves obey him. And the answer is, super. That, that's, that's what kind of man he is. He's, he's like super man. He has the ability to control nature. And at this moment, he's not trying to show off or something. There's only a couple of guys in the boat with him. His point was to teach them a lesson that would stand the test of time. And here we are, more than 2,000 years later, still talking about this absolutely extraordinary event. Because here's what's happened for them, right? And here's what I believe that our Heavenly Father wants to happen for me and for you. In the midst of all the, the what that causes us to fear, there is a who that says, I want you to look at me. In this moment, here's what happened. Their focus went from the what of the storm to the who that could calm the storm. Their focus went from the, the, the what of the storm. This is about to take our lives and kill our bodies. And suddenly, in a moment, they're asking the question, did you just see that? Did, what just happened? Where did the storm go? What kind of man is this? If there's anyone who demands our, our respect and our awe, if there's anything that we should fear, it's not the storms. It's the one who has the ability to Calm the storm. What kind of man is this? And I'm not critical of the disciples here. Who, if, if I was in the boat, who knows what I would have done? But, but they didn't get the lesson, right? They just didn't figure it out. They, they got something, but they didn't get it at all. So when Jesus is arrested a little later on, they didn't stand by their man. They hide. They lied. And they denied. And they fled they all disappear. And then a little while later, that same group of people who just disappeared into the night left their guy actually physically hanging. They show back up. And now they're courageous. And they go out into the streets of Jerusalem. <coughs> and even though they are facing the very same people who just killed God's body, and they have the distinct potential to kill their bodies as well. Somehow, they've learned the lesson. Somehow, they become seemingly fearless. And regardless of the fact that all of their lives were at risk, they pile out under the streets of Jerusalem, and they start telling anyone, they start telling everyone, you killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. And we're not afraid anymore. <coughs> we don't have to be afraid anymore. We've seen a resurrected Savior, and we got it. We got it. It took a while, but we got it. We finally came to grips with the question that we asked when we were in the boat. What kind of a man is this? This is a man sent from God. And if there is anyone or anything that we ought to fear, respect, awe, reverence. It's him. It's exactly as he said. We have suffered and we have 
lost, but somehow we are no longer afraid because someone took the place of something. <coughs> and this is how you not become fearless, but this is how you begin to fear less. When their faith in someone exceeded their fear of something, fear lost its threat. When your faith in someone exceeds your faith in the something, the fear loses its desperateness. It loses its chokehold on you. So I want to tell you a story about a guy named Tim. Tim is in the early middle stages of ALS. And the ALS is when the body kind of shuts down piece by piece, bit by bit, but the mind stays fully active, functional, aware, but gradually you lose motor control, you can't eat, you can't swallow, you can't breathe. And Tim has done a fantastic job living through this. And so um, there was questions that were asked to this guy. They say, well, you're facing fear, it's uh, death, it's imminent. What, 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 what can you tell me? So we have a couple of fear lessons from a man living with a degenerative death sentence. So first one is, if you spend time with people who are fearful, you will adopt their fear. So let me ask you a question. The people that you hang out with the most, you spend the most time about, what is it that they're concerned about? Here's the thing. Um, the, the, the people that you're going to spend that time with, whatever it is that concerns them, whatever they are most concerned with, you will eventually adopt their concern also. And whether it's looks or, or status or income or politics or aliens, whatever the concerns of the people you hang around with most, they will become your concerns and your fears. But what's most valuable? What, what is most important? What is it that really matters? You ask those questions and that's why there are those of you who I know who have invested a slice of your life in the lives of other people. Because you get this. You've decided that you want to be generous. That you want to you be generous with what you have. You want to share that. You've decided to give of your time, to give of your treasure, and to give of your talent. Because part of your concern is always other people. Part of your concern is the welfare of a generation that's coming. Part of our concern is what do we do with our town Stouffville? How can we connect better with people who are not interested in connecting with us? How can we connect with people who uh, they need help in different ways? What impairs their ability to connect with us? And we need to break some of those barriers down. Some of you are surrounded by people, but they're not really concerned about bad things. They're just not concerned about important things. And fear is contagious. The practical outworking comes from this man, Tim, the man dying with ALS. He says that so many people, when they come into contact with ALS, it's part of their life now, um, they just go into denial. They just want to shut the whole thing down. They, they won't go to a support group. Um, but somehow, somehow those people have a way of finding each other. And it's like fear feeds fear. And you've got to be around people who know how to fear the right things. Second thing, Tim, the man dying well, the man dying wisely, the man dying with a very limited, boxed-in kind of fear, dying trusting Jesus, the second lesson he shares for us, for those living fearfully, ALS makes everything in the past 
that I worried about seemed silly. And he says, so stop worrying and live your life. That's what he said. That was the summary. What do you want us to know, right? That was the revised perspective on worry and living. The sooner that you accept what can't be changed, the easier it becomes to live well in it. So stop worrying and live your life. Stop trying to live somebody else's life. And Tim's experience has been this. And when he says it, it has extra weight, more weight than if I just say it. But, but if you think about it, I think you know this already yourself. You've seen this. You've, you've observed this already. His experience is that when he meets so many people in the ALS community that all put their energy, in all of what they have into, into uh, denying and striving and fighting rather than living, they end up with disappointment in the process and they end up with disappointment at the end. And they didn't enjoy life at all. So let me ask you, is there a fear? Is, is there a worry that's inside of you? Is there something that you were just constantly gnawing at or it's gnawing at you and you're fighting and constantly striving and constantly worrying? You're at least a little bit in denial about it. Come on, just let it, let it go. It's not that you don't care. It's that you are choosing to trust the someone, Jesus, more than the something that scares you. Each is empowered by what you focus on. So which will you give your focus? Which will you put your energy into? Which option will you trust? Quit trying to live somebody else's life with somebody else's expectations because of something that somebody else told you. Let it go. Live your life. But come on, Tim. Seriously. On your horizon, slow, long, uncomfortable death. It's stalking, what, stalking you. What are you. What are you really afraid of? And he says the fear of the unknown. Right? And then there's a pause. There's kind of a chuckle. But the truth is, very little of importance is really unknown. He said, I, ha I have ALS. What is there not to know? I know how this ends. And so I am no longer afraid of the unknown because I know how this ends. And that right there is the universal truth for all of us. It is no secret how it ends for us either. There is very little that's unknown that has deep value. And this is why Jesus could say to his closest followers, he said, uh, why, why can say to us that you don't need to be afraid because your unknown is not unknown to him. So fear not. The worst thing that can happen is that your body is destroyed. And there is no unknown about that either. But why would we spend our lives striving <coughs> and fearing, fearing the worst when the worst is that your body will be destroyed? We already know that's going to happen. But we've been introduced to this super man, the God man, the son of God, fully human, fully God, who died for our sins, claims to be able to save our soul, that immaterial part of us, not the brain, not the mind, something in us that's eternal. So why would you spend your brief, 70, 80, 90, why would you spend it striving and fearing and worrying when there isn't much that is unknown anyway? At the end of your life, whether you were full of fear or full of trust, it ends the same. Let it go.
Live your life. Bring wonder, delight, peace, love, grace. Bring those to the forefront of your mind. Knowing that loosens the stranglehold of the fear of the unknown. And every once in a while, that fear is going to creep back in. And at that point, we just have to once again choose to release it all back to God. The fear never goes completely away. Fears will come back. They will come creeping back in. We are never going to be completely fearless. But we can develop a habit of reminding ourselves and reminding our circumstances that there is someone who overwhelms our something. There is someone whom I have learned to trust. And when I can refocus my view, when I place intentionally, on purpose, when I go eyes up on Jesus, when I remember my trust in Jesus, the something, the storm stays smaller and I can live my life. And as Jesus said, I'm not promising you that bad things won't happen. I am promising you to be with you through them. I'm not promising that everything is going to go to work out the way that somebody else told you that it would work out if you just believe in God and you have faith. But there is a who that will keep your fears in their proper place if you will continue and to trust in Him. When your faith in someone exceeds your fear of something, then the fear loses its grip. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said it this way when he was under arrest and writing to a group of his friends who made up the church in a city called Philippi. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, thing, by prayer and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, the someone. And the peace of God, not the peace of circumstance, not the the peace of enough money in the bank, or not the peace of uh, will they call me back, or not the peace of likes and shares, and not the peace of it. It all worked out the way that I wanted it to work out. Not the peace of other people doing what I want them to do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So Tim, are you you serious with what you're saying? It makes no sense to me. How do you keep your attitude? How is it that you can have such peace in the midst of such a huge storm? And the peace of God, which transcends above and beyond, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The who, the someone, like, like many of you, I have seen that peace firsthand. And many of you could stand up right now if we were to ask and tell us a story about how the peace of God overwhelmed your circumstances. That you would fear that, that you, until you understood that there is a someone who puts fear in its place. It feels like it doesn't make sense, right? What, what you're saying is that we just want to defeat it. But it's a peace that surpasses human comprehension, and that peace comes from someone, and that someone is Jesus. The the, the one of which it was said, what kind of man is this? 
It empowers us to move from fearful to fearless. Because there is someone trustworthy with us all the way into the present that used to be the future. We appreciate what's happened for us in the past. And when we celebrate our birthday today, we know that when we say that quickly, there's all kinds of stories that happened that brought us to where we are. And we're living in this moment right now that's called the present. And we're anticipating this time that right now lives in this place called the future. And, and, and all the way from there to here to there, Jesus goes with us. Regardless of what happens in here, he's there the whole time. And he is trustworthy. You can depend on him to help you come through whatever it is that you need to come through. Pray with me. Kind Father, I thank you for the way that you stay with us. We know that people turn their backs on us all the time, but you are faithful. You stay with us. You are faithful. You have never given up on us, and what you have seen for us will be carried out to completion because that is the God that you are, faithful, kind, caring, loving, protective, full of grace. We did nothing to deserve your care for us, and yet you give it anyways. As we anticipate our future, God, I pray that we will continue to live with the sense that the someone is more powerful than the storm that's around me, than the thing that's around me that, uh, that scares me now. If I take my eyes from that storm and I place them on you, the way that I live now can be transformed. I can find peace in the middle of that storm. I can live at peace regardless of what happens around me because this is a gifting that you give. And it doesn't make sense to us when we think about it on the outside. But it's transformative when we experience it. We experience your presence. God, for my friends that are here this morning, I pray your blessing upon them. That you would calm their fears with a clear sense that you are trustworthy. That you will be found faithful. That they can depend on you. And if they're not sure of what that looks like or how to come forward with you, that's okay because you're patient also. You can start with one step. You don't have to jump into the whole package. One step at a time. Come after us, I pray. Free our minds to think as you would have us think. Thanks for your promise to love us and be with us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, hello, thank you. Can I go up on stage? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. I am very happy to be here to make an announcement. Can I share your uh, little platform there, Justin? Good morning, everyone. My name is Jane Philpott. I am the Member of Parliament for Markham Stouffville, and it's really lovely to be here. Lots of familiar faces in the crowd and a few of you that I don't know, but delighted to be here and to catch the tail end of the service and particularly to enjoy that beautiful rendition of It Is Well. 
Uh, it is, uh, was very, very meaningful uh, to me to be able to, to join with you in that. And yes, we do have an announcement to make, and I wanted to come and make the announcement myself. I'm actually here on behalf of one of my colleagues, who is, the, is Minister Carla Qualtro, and she is the Minister of Public Services, Procurement, and Accessibility. Um, I like to start always whenever I talk at different places just acknowledging the land that we're on and the people who have cared for it before us because we know that um, we're in a community that where people have lived for thousands of years and where there was once a Huron-Wendat village with hundreds of people who farmed thousands of acres of corn and uh, the Anishinaabe lived here, the Haudenosaunee have lived on this land and they've cared for the earth um, and preserved it for us. And we now share this land with people from all over the world and uh, I wanna acknowledge that today. I wanna thank Pastor Graham for the invitation to be able to come and uh, have a, spend a bit of time with you. What I'm here about is because because I have understood that you have been working on trying to make your church building more accessible, uh, and probably the church at large more accessible, uh, for both yourselves, but also for community members and groups that might want to use the building. You're in such a fantastic location here in downtown Stouffville with a senior's home across the way and really in the heart, heart of our beautiful town where people want to gather. And in communities across Canada, we're trying to find ways that we can help people use uh, public spaces, um, spaces that are uh, owned by faith organizations like yourselves to use them in a positive way to improve the lives of other Canadians in their community. And so we've been working um, at the federal government level on trying to imagine a barrier-free Canada to really collaborate with organizations like yourself so that people living with disabilities have an equal chance to participate, an equal chance to succeed and, and be part of society. There was a study uh, recently done that showed that 22% of Canadians over the age of 15 are living with a disability. That's, so that's one in five people lives with some kind of disability. And we know that people living with disabilities are more likely to be unemployed, uh, they're often, they're more likely to be poor, uh, they're more likely to uh, earn less than people who don't have a disability. This is a subsection of our Canadian population that faces barriers to, to earn a decent living and, and be uh, able to fully participate in, in a place like the Intuon Community Church. So we proposed um, an act now, the Accessible Canada Act, which is on its way through Parliament and is in the Senate right now, to be able to create a framework to transform how the federal government and our partners uh, can make um, the community buildings more accessible by removing barriers and, and being inclusive by design. So one of the things that we have is uh, to promote a barrier-free Canada is a fund called the Enabling Accessibility Fund. And my amazing office, including Tammy, who's here with me today, uh, spend a lot of time whenever these fund proposal options come out, and we always reach out to local churches and other community organizations and let you know what the funding opportunities are. And it provides funding for any project that will improve accessibility for, and, and help people living with disabilities in the community uh, be able to participate in the programs and services uh, that you have here. So this is one of the uh, projects that we have been very excited about, and I'm not sure if, if Graham has managed to keep a secret or not, but <laughs> to everybody, but, but we have, um, we have, are happy here to be able to announce to you today that we, uh, on the federal government, will be providing $100,000 to Into One Community Church. 
So $100,000, it takes a lot of tithing to get to $100,000, I know that. So I'm really, really happy that we, this is actually, we've given out other uh, accessibility grants in town, including um, $50,000, for example, for the, the accessible uh, portable washroom for uh, Strawberry Festival. Up to date, that was our biggest one, but now I can say the biggest one we've ever got for our, our community is $100,000 for, uh, for Into One Community Church. So um, it's going to really, I believe, make your building so much more accessible to so many people who need to come in to use the uh, what you have here to uh, enjoy your services and your programs. So I want to congratulate, uh, obviously, an excellent application uh, that the steering committee put together. And as your member of parliament, it makes me incredibly happy to be able to uh, to help out in this way. I'm really proud of the fact that you are looking out for people with disabilities and. What better day to celebrate it than when you're having an anniversary party, your eighth birthday, so a uh, really good chance for me to be here as well to congratulate you on eight amazing years. Uh, it's a time that I know you're all very thankful for what God has provided in the, in the past eight years and you're looking forward uh, to how you can serve uh, both him and the community in, in the years to come. So thank you for letting me come and share that good news and I look forward to seeing all the great things you're going to do with that. Merci beaucoup.